I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, January 14th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global, business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, earlier in the week, we were talking about Rogers and its similarities to the TV show Succession. And there's more on that story. What is going on? Okay, well, Succession, I think, is loosely based off of the Murdoch family. And so that is the idea behind it. But this Rogers drama, it almost, like, I think Succession almost inspired the Rogers drama to a certain extent. And so what ended up happening was, well, obviously, Ed Rogers won, as you've kind of heard about in past coverage of it. But yesterday, the Globe and Mail got their hands on this cameo, which is a like a 30-second clip from a celebrity that you can buy having them say something. And in this clip, they bought like a quick segment from Logan Roy, the actor who plays Logan Roy from Succession, congratulating Ed Rogers from his wife on winning his own episode of Succession. It was very odd. So wait, it's real life Rogers being influenced by Succession and then going back to Succession to congratulate the real life winners of the Rogers battle. It's it's really back and forth and back and forth, art imitating life, imitating art. The, the Rogers family, though, they really do love the theatrics, or at least Ed Rogers loves theatrics. I Last time I heard about Ed Rogers, he was at Mar-a-Lago with the president, which was very controversial. I don't know, there's, a, there's almost a flair to it that you've got to respect. Need I remind you that that president is no longer president. We have a new president in the U.S. His name is Joseph Biden. Yeah, Just yeah, for clarity okay. purposes, Brett. Well, you know, we'll let the, we'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> Fair enough. Brett, aside there being a real-life succession that has happened in Canada, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, small business saviors. For our second story, underwater claims. And for our third story, TikTok money. For our first story, the Canadian government extended the deadline for small businesses to pay back emergency loans, one of the most widely used pandemic programs for businesses. So, Brett, what's the government doing to help small businesses get through this latest wave of Omicron? Well, here's a refresher on the Canadian small business support programs that happened over COVID. So launched in 2020, the Canada Emergency Benefit Account, CBOs, it's a simple acronym, program offered loans of $60,000 to eligible small businesses. Now, almost 900,000 businesses took up the government's offer to for these zero interest loans. And the government also offered loan forgiveness of up to 33% if the rest of it was paid back by the deadline. Now, with the rise of Omicron cases, the government has extended the deadline to settle up and qualify for partial loan forgiveness by a year. So now, instead of being December 2020 when you need to repay this, it's actually December 2023. Loans not paid back by the end of 2023 will be converted into two-year loans with 5% interest. And not everyone is happy with that compromise. So the CFIB, so the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, has asked the government to consider pushing the deadline back even further, issue another round of loans, and bumping the partial loan forgiveness amount. Now, according to the CFIB, uh, a survey they did in November 2021, just 36% of small businesses said they were back to pre-pandemic sales. And in addition to the feds, provinces have stepped up to support small businesses as well. Ontario launched a $10,000 grant and Quebec brought back its assistance to business in regions on maximum alert, which is really a mouthful, and I'm sure it's a mouthful in French as well, which covers up to $15,000 in eligible fixed costs per month. But Brett, let's zoom out and unpack why these small business supports are just so important. At least we had a translation of that program so you didn't have to struggle <laughs> through it. Well, small businesses make up to 98% of employer businesses in Canada and account for 64% of our total labor market. Owners of some small businesses are asking for more support as many of these relief programs have ended and it kind of sounds like it's, uh, it's important to them. Mm-hmm. 
For our second story, insurers will pay over $2 billion to settle climate-related claims from last year. Jay, I've never really put a lot of thought into how climate change will impact the insurance industry, but I can imagine it's a lot. It is a lot, and it probably means rates are going up. But let's start with some context. Canada is one of the few advanced countries that doesn't have a national flood insurance program, and overland flood insurance protects homeowners when a body of water overflows onto dry land. And this is becoming a bit of a problem. A report from Public Safety Canada found that Canada's lackluster flood insurance will end up costing the federal government, i.e. taxpayers like you and I, more in the long run. A recent example of this were the terrible floods in BC over the summer. And because of a lack of a national flood insurance plan, taxpayers were left on the hook for billions of dollars in recovery spending. And to put this into context, the feds promised $5 billion in disaster relief to BC after severe flooding devastated the province, uh, as you mentioned, last November. And in contrast, insurers expect to pay far, far, far less, just $515 million to flood-related claims. That hefty recovery bill could have been shifted onto the insurance companies had Canada introduced a national flood insurance program. So, Brett, big picture. Why does flood insurance matter? Well, as the effects of climate change become more and more severe, it's likely that flooding could become the norm in a number of regions in Canada. And unless we have the proper physical and financial infrastructure in place, including national insurance plans, the cost of recovery of these disasters could be really high. For our last story, TikTok star Charlie D'Amelio makes more than top CEOs according to a Forbes ranking. Brett, I know I'm too old for this, but my 12-year-old most certainly is not. But tell the PayPals who Charlie D'Amelio is. Yeah, so D'Amelio is a 17-year-old TikTok sensation. She's best known for her lip syncing and dancing on the social media platform, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> now, earning more than $17 million through the platform, she made more money than, believe it or not, Exxon CEO Darren Woods and Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson. Now, she also out-earned many top Canadian CEOs, the country's 100 highest-earning CEOs of public companies made an average of $10.9 billion in 2020. Well, I don't think Darren Woods or Kevin Johnson can dance, so there is that. But now who else is on the list? Well, Toronto-born Josh Richards ranked fourth on the Forbes list and was the highest-paid Canadian TikTok star, earning $5 million in 2021. And Chris Collins, who's from Vancouver, also made the list on fifth place for just under $5 million. Now, for the uninitiated with TikTok, if you've never downloaded or opened the app, this probably all sounds insane that these people are making so much money on this social media platform. But what we're going to do now is break down how these stars actually make their money. One, it helps to dance. No, I'm just kidding. First, they launch their own brands and companies. So Addison Rae, the third highest earning TikTok star, has her own makeup brand called Item Beauty. While we don't know how much Rae makes from Item Beauty, brand-sponsored content accounts for two-thirds of her earnings, which brings us to... The second way that these creators make money, and that's ads, sponsored content, and brand deals. So D'Amelio released her own limited edition drink, the Charlie, with Dunkin' Donuts last year. I know that's a favorite of yours, Jay. And it turned out to be a huge hit with the American coffee chain. Dunkin' Donuts saw cold brew coffee sales jump 20% the day they put out the Charlie and 45% the day after. Well, everybody knows that America runs on Dunkin'. No free plugs. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and lastly, film and TV. Ray made a low six figures from starring in the Netflix comedy, He's All That. So Brett, why does it matter how much TikTok stars make, whether they are dancing or not? Because it's representative of the creator economy, where instead of working through intermediaries, celebrities and influencers alike are their own business people making their own deals and selling their own products, which is actually really bad for movie studios and music labels used to have a monopoly on this type of commerce. All you have to do is search up Mr. Beast and Squid Games, and you will see what Brett is talking about. 
Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And I, Brett, I'm going to spend the weekend trying to multiply 898,000, which is the number of businesses that took up the SEBA by $60,000 and see what that comes up with. But it's a big number. It's a big number. Have a good weekend, Brett. You too.